I am a layman Pascal, and you've tuned into the Integral Stage Meta Podcast, where we chat with people who are trying to evolve, expand, integrate, deepen, or transmute culture and themselves through podcasts, YouTubery, and other forms of online content. Who are these people? What are they collectively pointing towards, and how could we amplify, clarify, and interlink them? That's the project, and helping me think through it today is hip-hop geek integralite and aggressive foe of latent irrationalism, David Long. How are you, David? What's up? Doing great. Man, that was an epic intro. You did so well on that. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> First question, how do we instantly and completely solve racism forever? Man, all you got to do is uh, say Black Lives Matter three times and click your heels and it's all good. All right. Second <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you tell people where they can find your online content? Okay, if you go to iam-davidlong.com, you can find pretty much all of it there. You can search me up on YouTube. You can, um, I am David Long on YouTube. Um, I'm on Instagram. I am Philosopher King. Um, obviously on Facebook, I am David Long. Um, I have a I am David Long Friends and Fans Facebook group, which is um, where all the, the best conversations go down with my um, with my community in, in there. What makes a good conversation? Um, I would say like just enough agreement, but also like areas of um, unclarity or uncertainty between the two positions where you have some like something to, to agree on as a starter uh, to build off of some like good foundational axioms and then like also some interesting territory to explore together. Nice. Yeah. What for you, <laughs> where do you tend to find those territories? Like what do you think's the biggest problem in general in developmental discourse communities? Oh, um, well, okay, so where do I find those those good conversations? Well, I think you got to be, um, you got to know what you're looking for, and you got to know what the main things that are, you know, that really matter to you in terms of agreement and disagreement, and then figure out how to explore those. Um, I don't know if you're asking me these questions in general or if, or if I'm supposed to answer them for myself, you know, like I feel like I'm uh, sitting on a pillow over here and you're bringing me the questions like, how does a good conversation be made? And I'm like, hmm. Well, Partly, like, <laughs> I think you've probably got some insight into the general, but mostly I'm thinking about you because you're, I mean, why be on the internet instead of writing a book because of conversations, those conversations have got to happen with people who, you sort of respect and have a lot of overlap with, but it's also got to have some enough room for you to get triggered enough to be engaged in the conversation and think there's something to solve. So for you, what kinds of things tend to trigger you in that way where you think, ah, oh, there's some, there's some bridging room here, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really interested in um, the disagreements in the integral community. And um, so I tend to, want to get into it about that, you know, we have enough common ground and common agreements about things that um, those areas of disagreement become more highlighted and more important. It's like, look, you have, you have so much common agreement with people, 
you think we should agree. And at the end of the day, we come to different conclusions and those conclusions can end up making a big difference. And so it can be important to get in there and figure out what's going on with that. Well, one of the things I've seen, one of the areas I've seen you try to get into a lot is whether or not people are embodying the pre-trans fallacy correctly. <laughs> um, yeah, why do you think you're so keyed toward that aspect? Well, Joseph Campbell was my favorite teacher before I came into integral circles. And one of the things that I knew that I wanted in an integral community and an integral space was this ability to have a good dialogue around religious topics and um, religious subjects and to be able to appreciate the poetry from all these different traditions, but also realize that the map is not the territory and not get too lost in the symbolism. I was very excited to be in um, a community of people who could speak like this and could talk like this. Like, I think, you know, the misconception from a lot of people is that I'm like into science or something like that. No, I'm not. I'm into poetry. I'm into religion. I'm into the symbolism. And that's why I think it's important to know um, how to harmonize science and rationality with religion and spiritual practice and to really get it right and to make these distinctions. And so for me, like that was like one of the main things that I was looking for in a community of people who I was wanting to consider my peers is that we could have reasonable discussions around this stuff and, and start to develop a common language together, new ways of speaking together that like transvaluation of values. That's part of the integral project as far as I'm concerned. That's interesting. I like the idea that myth and poetry and spiritual experience aren't being honored well enough without clarifying their boundary and general definition better. Yeah, because you don't want to talk, uh, like you're reluctant to talk about this stuff with people who aren't really going to understand the distinctions. It's like you don't want to speak poetry to a person who's taking it literally because it's like, no, no, you're confusing me. I'm using, I'm using this poetically. I'm not literally implying the thing. And, you know, within our community of the adequate, we should, you know, be on the same page about that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of as a tendency in the integral community, a, a lot of people who, well, maybe not a lot, some people definitely, who feel like it's the old science and religion arguments and that they're the non-overlapping magisteria. And what integral means is just everybody's perspective is held next to each other and validated. And like anybody's mystical experience is just completely valid because that's how they experienced it. Uh, and I think that, uh, underserves the community, both in terms of getting to a trans-deconstructed point of view by understanding the difference between interpretation as a surface phenomenon and interpretation as a depth phenomenon. People, some people act and speak like there's no interpretation in their spiritual experiences. And when right. you talk to them about the interpretation they're bringing, they think you're talking about a surface phenomenon. And you're talking about it in terms of what they're, you say, yeah, the structure you're perceiving. What is the structure <laughs> that you're calling that? And they'll just go, no, no, I experienced it, and therefore it's called that. And it's a very nuanced distinction that's very hard to make, but 
like you're saying, if you can have a conversation about real spirituality and mysticism and poetry with somebody who can make that distinction, it like rockets to a whole other level of satisfaction. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's really important what you're saying there. Most people just don't get this and their, their interpretation of their experience is indeed um, very personal and rooted in this kind of circular reasoning and um, confirmation bias and, I, I would really think that by the time we get to integral stages and we start to bring all these distinctions online, it should be really clear to us, hopefully by now, by looking at not only all the different boons and all the good things, but all the different ways that people fall into the same patterns of superstition in different traditions, right? It's all this kind of um, confirmation bias, um, circular reasoning within the tradition, causation correlation fallacies, and this kind of like uh, sunk cost thing that's happening. Like the further down that rabbit hole you go, the more confirmation bias you have, the more you interpret it in terms of that circular reasoning. You're just like, no, I've had so many experiences where this was confirmed to me or whatever. It's just, I just know it's true. You know, it's like, and it's like, this is how people believe in everything <laughs> that's, that's non-rational. Like people use this methodology to be a Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu, uh, you know, to believe in, you know, like almost anything. Like, and so I think in general, most people don't question their ideas or try to falsify them. They don't like use the same, they don't, they don't apply that kind of, a rigorous methodology to be skeptical and try to deconstruct the stuff, you know, um, kind of what I've learned is that personal experience is probably the least reliable thing that, that we have. It's like the least reliable quadrant. And like you said, most people take language for granted completely and just have this like type of naivete where they think, Oh, words just talk about what is it's like, no, your words shape the way that you think about what is in a way that it, it seems like you're not really, <laughs> you know, uh, you, that you're taking for granted. Um, yeah. Words um, shape our, pers our perspective and experience of reality as much as they talk about things, you know? And so if you don't, if you don't realize this in this interpretation thing, then you're definitely going to be stuck in that perspective. So you sound very reasonable. Why do you think people treat you as a, an over-aggressive materialistic reductionist? Well, I think, I think um, the thing that you normally see, you know, especially as an integralist from both sides, is that um, when, you take a, when you take a position, even as an integralist, even if it's like a middle position and it's like a reasonable synthesis or something, if, if another person is coming from an extreme perspective, oh, well, you're a, you must be like a liberal then. Oh, well, then you must be a conservative. Or, you know, it's like the, whatever, whatever um, extreme they're coming from, they want to project the opposite extreme on you. Right. Like, oh, you're this you're this other thing that's my opponent, you know. Um, but I mean, you know, it's probably not all 
all shadow projection. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not gonna, I don't want to, I don't want to reduce it to that, you know, but that's definitely, that's definitely a thing. You know what I mean? Um, I think, I think another thing too, is that um, there's this kind of like, and I, and I think it's like, it, it goes back to Wilbur and Buddhism and probably has something a little bit to do with like white privilege of the, a lot of the people in our spaces too. But there's this kind of like, you know, like, just chill. Like, let's all just talk endlessly in circles. And, and, you know, like we're up here, we're the smartest, we're the best, we're doing philosophy. And I'm, and I'm kind of like the world needs us. Like I'm used to being poor. I'm used to the struggle. I know people in the struggle. Like I see the injustice in the world and it's, I don't just watch it from my, you know, ivory tower. I'm like down here in it with these people. And uh, I want to see integral ideas help the world. And so when you, and so like when you come into this space with these standard, with, with these, you know, standards and expectations for what integral and as a community and as a people are supposed to be and supposed to be doing, you know, it's hard, it's hard not to be like, wait, what, this is what, this is what we're doing. Like, I I thought we would be doing something better than this, you know? And, and then, you know, on the back end of that, I think it's like, okay, well, you know what, like, I'm going to take responsibility, I'm going to try to like help get some of this stuff going. And then as soon as you come into these spaces, and you're like, let's get organized, let's, um, uh, let's do better, let's have standards, let's fix some of our problems, let's do, you know, let's have better leadership, let's do, they're like, hold on now, like, you're some kind of, why are you being such like an authoritarian, or like a, a cop, or a control freak, and all this stuff, it's like, like, I think we need to get some stuff done, like, that, you know, how are we going to build together if we don't establish any kind of games to, to play to make that happen? How are we going to um, maintain the integrity of our brand and our culture and, um, and do something good in the world. Like, I don't know, to me, to me, you know, I, I have these, these high standards and these high expectations for, for what I would like us to be doing. And, you know, I think when you come into some of these spaces and you have people who, aren't necessarily thinking in this kind of way. Yeah, I seem probably like uh, an egomaniac or like a narcissist or an authoritarian or, you know, a straight materialist. Um, Calling, you know, well, yeah, I mean, you know, like overly critical, probably an asshole, like all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, like, I'm... Uh, I'm shaking things up a bit. I'm trying to, to get things going. I'm drawing lines in the sand. And if, if people want to join me in trying to, to get some stuff going, great. If people don't want to, you know, that's fine, too. Do you think it's working? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a great question. I think it's, okay, I think it's helped people, like, because I've heard from them. You know what I mean? I think... I think it's working. Yeah, I do. I think it's slow. Um, and, you know, I haven't rushed it. Like, there's lots of stuff that I still have planned that I want to do that I'm not talking about because it's not ready. And I don't want to, like, get people excited when I'm not, like, ready to do anything about it. You know what I mean? So getting my ducks in a row, like, a few people know what I'm about and what I'm doing. And in the meantime, 
I'm just trying to work on getting a little bit organized and trying to like clean up the house of integral and like make some different alternatives and get some conversations going potentially, you know, try to have more debates and some alternative perspectives. And um, yeah, like I, I think it's slowly working. I don't know if it's working as much as, any of us would like to see it be working, but maybe we can reach kind of a, a point to where this and this and this happen. And now maybe we'll have the energy to like push forward and like really get it going into something that we can all be proud of. Um, do you think that requires um, getting more consensus or do you think there's some other factor where people can move forward disagreeing with each other? Yes. Um, I think that, I think that we need ways to be able to build and refine together by standards we can all agree on. So what I think we need to do is we need to build these, these kind of new games, you know, like, um, and we need to have more debates and we need to, um, you know, establish things together and, and like put things on the table and try and knock it down and see what stands like Western enlightenment style, you know? So I think we can, um, I think we can start to, to come together and, and build together. I'm forgetting what your original question was. <laughs> I'm always interested in this question that I think kind of relates to how the lower left and lower right quadrants are connected. Because on the one hand, there's uh, a lot of situations where people can come together and establish a mood, right? establish a, a deep intersubjective vibe that functions viscerally as if it was a holy thing. Um, but does that translate into action? Does it become anything in the world or was it just a group experience? And on the other hand, you've got things like, did you ever watch that Dr. House yeah. show about the rogue doctor? Yeah. So he had a team that got a lot of things done, but he went out of his way to keep them from feeling any kind of shared comfort or sensibility, really. He encouraged uh, friction between them. So it's like he broke down the lower left to get a certain outcome in the lower right. Right. That's interesting tension. I'm always curious. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think I remember what your question was now. Like, I think kind of what I'm trying to do is um, create this community of the adequate around the type of projects that I would like to see Integral be doing, you know, and then basically those people start these projects and then reopen it up to the community, right? So, there's room for us to build together. There's room for criticism. There's room for all that stuff. But at the, but at the same time, there is, um, there is an established game basically, or program or like um, of a way of doing things or a way of deciding that kind of comes top down from the, you know, the values and the ideas of the group that created it and then opened up that space, right? So I think it's like a both and like right now, I'm trying to build my core community of, of people who are on the same page. And you know, there's actually a good amount of them and they're making media now too. And it's, it's great to see the ideas spreading. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, I think 
You know, another really cool thing that has recently happened was um, there's this guy who has been uh, checking out my videos and like disagreeing with me and like writing these like really long um, <laughs> comments of like all the, you know, but in, in good faith, you know, like, like he's really trying to like work through this stuff and figure it out and grapple with the points and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think I think people who um, who write things can tell who their good critics are and who their bad critics are. You know, people who are like really engaging and being like, "No, I just I don't agree. Like, I don't understand why you're coming to these." You know what I mean? Uh, and then they deal with all your points. They don't like he's he's really good because he doesn't um, name call or try to imply that there's anything psychologically wrong with me for the conclusions that I come to. He deals with the points. So I would say he's like a really good critic, even though, you know, we disagree, you know, I, ha I have a lot of respect for um, uh, the way that he handles himself, you know, um, his, his uh, personal integrity and he wants to know what's true too. So we can work with that, you know? Um, so, uh, him and Alyosha had a debate on my page and I moderated it. I would say I, I should, I tried to find someone else to moderate it. I think I even asked you and you said that you would do it, but you only had like a small window and I was like, nah, these guys needs to need to have time to talk. Um, so I ended up doing it and, and <laughs> getting a little bit involved in it myself, you know, that's why I didn't want to do it. Um, but they had a pretty good talk and actually like all things considered, even though I don't agree with the final conclusion, I actually think that um, if, if we were judging that debate based on uh, being prepared and um, being ready to deal with points and like, you know, have like doing the debate properly. Like I think he won the debate if that's the metric, you know what I mean? Um, so I have, I have uh, a lot of respect for people who are honestly engaging, no matter what conclusion you come to, you know what I mean? And I think we need to make room for that. We, there's, it's not about trying to get everyone to agree with everything, you know? I mean, obviously there's fundamental agreements that, that we want to build on. But at the end of the day, part of what's great about integral governance is that it embraces the friction and the tension and it tries to figure out a way to process tensions and and then make actionable solutions on the other side or like how can we then test this and figure it out or something like that and so i think ultimately at this integral stage we need to embrace the tension and do it skillfully and with integrity and bring our best selves to the table and really try to get in there and grapple with these ideas and figure out what's really true and also be big enough to get over ourselves and be like, look, I know I don't have all the answers. It's going to take all of us figure and trying to figure it out together. So um, I'm open to what, whatever we can, whatever we can prove, you know, it seems like the integral framework gives us a lot of interesting options in how we think about disagreements between people. Like we might think of them, like you're saying as, as kind of an engine, if it's handled with integrity, we might think of, well, is this person seeing the patterns I'm talking about or not? We might say, are they living up to the, 
are they seeing them, but they're not handling them at the standard I'm setting? Or unbeknownst to me, are they actually acting on a different standard that's moving in a different direction? It looks like it's not subscribing to my standard. We've got these, it's almost like each piece of the integral map gives you a different way to handle disagreements between people. It's hard to keep them yeah. in the picture at the same time. And I think, you know, like, these are some of the conversations I've had with other leaders and stuff, you know, like, um, this is some of the stuff that I've talked with Bruce about, right? I, I've been like, like, like Bruce, like, <laughs> this is the stuff that upsets me in the community, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm like, we gotta have, we gotta have these tough standards. And he's like, well, don't think that I don't have standards over here. I'm like, look, I'm not saying you don't have standards, you know, like clearly you have, you know, like you're doing this project and man, I honestly, like, this is a good time to tell you how much I appreciate how much you guys do and the way that you're uh, democratizing integral and bringing all these other voices online and stuff like that. And like, it's, it's great. You know what I mean? Um, but there's this other part of me as well that's like, you know, that's like super concerned with integral integrity and the brand and like, you know, a lot of the people, because we're casting a wider net, we end up getting people who are more like integrally influenced or like integrally adjacent, you know what I mean? And not necessarily like they're basing their philosophy or on like integral theory or that they're running everything through an integral epistemology or something like that. They're kind of like, yeah, I like some integral ideas and I like some of these other things or whatever. Yeah. So, and you know, and then there are people who I just, I just like straight up think are like not good representatives and like misleaders and like they make me want to like slap my forehead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like you recently did a talk with um, Steve McIntosh, right? Like this is a dude who believes in a personal God and um, thinks that we're like evolution can be completed and like, it's all moving towards a, uh, an Omega point. And, you know, I, I met him. He's, a, he's a super nice guy. I could, I could enjoy talking to him about this stuff for a long time. So, I mean, like nothing, nothing personal against him. I disagree with his idea and I don't think it's compatible with integral. And he says, Oh, I'm going to bracket that. Like when I asked him about it, like in, a, in a, a talk I saw him do, he's like, oh, it's my belief system. I try to bracket that. But then his, his whole time he's talking about it, it's like infused in what he's saying. You know, even in, in the political talk y'all had, I could hear his ideas about um, a belief in a personal God and like this um, Omega point embedded in that stuff. And I don't think, like, I think that anybody who is an integralist should be embarrassed to talk about their belief system and, and then say they got to bracket that, but then it like sneaks its way back in. Like, like this is that, that it goes back to that pre-trans fallacy thing, you know, like, wait, we believe in a, a literal personal God. And then like, he's a lawyer. So I feel like he defends it in a very like lawyerly um, kind of way. Like I, you know, like it's a lot of sophistry as far as I'm concerned. Like he talks, about, I don't want to get too into the details. I would love to debate him. Um, Steve, if you're watching, come on, man. 
it's interesting because like I'm talking to so many people who are in the mm-hmm. community or adjacent to the community or in some meta community that includes the community and everybody's in a mode of some kind. Like you're a, the bracketing idea is like that. Like I could be, I could be in this bit of me or I could be in this bit of me. Mm-hmm. Right? So Steve's a good example of that is sometimes when you start talking to him, he says things and you think, mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> that one seems a little suspect relative to my critical thinking. But then you talk to him a little longer or in a different context, and he says it in a much more uh, critically coherent fashion. And you go, oh, well, what's, what's the perspective here then? Right? But when you talk to everybody, they've got this ability to shift. And I sort of think of it as how, you know, if you can make people feel pretty good and heard and see where they're coming from, you might be able to encourage them to practice their most integral mode. Mm. Uh, and, and that's going to always I like that. Yeah. So I think that's like a gardener's approach right? <laughs> rather than a sort of mechanical approach. Um, yeah. I was trying to lure it out of people, make them feel good enough that you can go, okay, exactly. But let's tease that idea apart into two sub ideas and compare them. And right. Feeling good about it. Um, I don't know which is best, you know, sometimes calling people yeah. out might be the thing to do. That's not really my specialty. <laughs> remember, we, we were talking last time uh, in the transrational talk and we were talking about how it takes all kinds, you know, sometimes you got to, sometimes you got to be sweet with the person and, to, and, and then sometimes, you know, you got to like draw a hard line in the sand and be like, you're wrong, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh you know, like, so I'm over here, I'll be that guy. I'll, I'll be the guy who says he's wrong. But you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, like I said, I don't, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different characters in the integral community, you know what I mean? And um, we, and I think it depends on what you say about yourself and how you present yourself and, and like, uh, how you position yourself in, in accord with integral. And like, then there's this distinction between your ideas and you as a person. Right. So like Steve McIntosh is a super nice guy. And um, at the end of the day, if he was like, you know what, I changed my mind. I, I agree with some of the things that, that you're talking about. Like, oh, I'm an emergentist. I would be like, great, like run, run stuff, be a, you know, be a leader, like do that. Like, um, so I mean, like, I, it's not that I don't think that he's like talented or intelligent or, or a great guy. I just like, disagree with him <laughs> where there are other people who I think are super smart and have really great things to say, like Gaffney or something like this, but he's like a creep of a guy. And like, I don't care what he says. Like, I don't want him, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't want to include that guy. Um, and then there are other people like Andrew Cohen, right? And um, he is like, <laughs> there's, there's potentially uh, issues on both sides, depending on, uh, on how, you th- how you think about that. But as a guru, like, and just as a thinker, I don't have as much issues with him as I do with Steve McIntosh because I think he positions himself more as I'm an enlightenment guru, whereas I think Macintosh positions himself more as I'm an integral philosopher. And so if you say I'm an integral philosopher, I'm going to hold you to that standard. You know what I mean? 
Interesting. Yeah, different standards for different categories. Certainly one way to go at it. I think a lot of, there's a mix of people in the community who I think would share that approach and some other people who think in terms of um, a sort of more unnamed organic approach to it. Just like there'd be people who, when they think of integral, think primarily in terms of uh, a clarified knowledge set associated with Wilbur and other people who, when they say the word, they're actually thinking of this broad community of adjacent sets of ideas that roughly include a similar vision logic structures. Very yeah, and hard to know who you're talking to when the terms come up. Right. And, th and I mean, that's part of the problem, too, with um, not having a distinction between integral and integrally informed or something like that. Right. Because we're basically kind of conflating these two stages into like, ah, we're all under the same tent. Come on, you know. And so I think, yeah, a lot of these people, they are like early stage integral. You know, they're making some of the distinctions. Maybe they still have a confusion here or a confusion there, but I mean, they're integral uh, according, you know, according to that. Are they integrally informed? Have they filtered all their ideas through, you know, an integral epistemology? Maybe not, you know. Yeah, I usually, or at least I used to, I entered a list and entered a light. An integral light inhabits that terrain to some extent, regardless of what they know about. And the integral list knows about it, um, regardless of the degree to which they inhabit the terrain. And then ideally, there's some kind of progressing convergence between these two camps. Yeah. It's fascinating. I want to go back to this thing about, uh, you know, not specifically about Steve, but about the tendency to for a philosophical person to hold on to classical ideas and ways of expressing themselves and to kind of run that against their unfolding critique over time. Because that's one of the things that interests me personally a great deal is, um, is there a way for me to rehabilitate old terminology and old ideas, right? Can I get to the point where Somebody says something and I think, no, that's irrational traditionalist nonsense. But actually, there is a way I can think of it where it means something that I think is true that could, in fact, be phrased that way, regardless of what this particular person thinks that means. <laughs> Absolutely, man. To by, by allowing the poetry and the critique to mingle. You got to take them apart and let them go together and take them apart and let them go together. It's a very interesting exercise. Yeah, and that's why I value this pre-trans distinction so much is because, like, what do we mean by that? And, and how does my cultural upbringing, in, you know, shape the way I think about those symbols? And that's the great thing about um, comparative mythology is that you can look at universal ideas in different cultural costumes and be like, well, it looks like this over here. It looks like this over here. How is my way of thinking about it get in the way you know uh, the idea is that the different symbols both hide and reveal aspects of the truth right so that's the problem with taking um one tradition too seriously or focusing too hard on one kind of worldview is it starts to cloud your view it starts to um you start to take those symbols for granted and, and, and think of it a little bit too seriously. Like, I mean, like from a, from a, a really deconstructed uh, uh, perspective, it's all wrong. It's all, <laughs> you know, like every worldview 
is is wrong, you know, in an absolute sense. I mean, sure, they all it it all touches the map somewhere in some ways, but I mean, in terms of them them being right, like at the end of the day, how could we how could we think that any one of these stories is the right uh, the right story per se? You know, I mean, obviously, you know, we we have our um, are valid scientific theories and stuff like that. But even like the word uh, evolution, for example, that's a made up word. Why do we call it that? Someone said, let's call it evolution. And we all agreed, you know, so it's not, to, again, it's not to say that the map doesn't touch the territory. Obviously some, some worldviews and some maps touch the territory in more places, better and more accurate ways and stuff like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, as integralists, right, everybody's right, too. We see that all these worldviews, all these different ways of talking about things have value. And we should be open to lots of different ways of talking about things. And if you're if you become the ultimate nerd for one symbol set, it really it really limits your perspective. It's interesting, this, I mean, the idea of the symbol sets and the Campbell stuff, because I think there's a, there's an interesting way in which that's handled a little differently and can be spoken of similarly at each of the stages. So, like, there's a kind of orange modernist internationalist way of thinking about, like, every culture has their word for the one <laughs> God, right? Now, that person is saying all oh, the different symbols might refer to some underlying structures between these big cultural sets. But then you go on to a, like an, another level up and you think, oh, within one way of talking about it, there's actually a bunch of different cultures. It's not just that we don't yep. mean the same thing as the Arabs. It's just we don't mean the same thing as each other, or maybe we don't mean the same thing as ourselves all the time either. There's a huger number of meanings and the same word, right. like we were saying earlier, one word is a symbol and we're all using those words slightly differently. There's overlap, but there's gaps and we don't always see those gaps. Right? I think one of the things integral has to do a little bit more prominently is to get outside of and behind the terminology. You know, Wilbur's attempt to make a map based on an algebra of perspectives is a step in that direction because two people say God, they don't necessarily mean the same thing. And it would be useless for them to argue about who's got the correct perspective if they're talking about two different structures of the universe. So we need to have a way of thinking about what the structures are apart from what anybody feels moved to call them. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it makes a lot of sense to talk about things like God and soul and things like that in certain contexts, just like we talk about our heart, you know, like, ah, oh, my heart goes out to you. I'm heartbroken, you know, like things like that. Like we know what we mean by that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, these, these other terms like soul and God have become so loaded and um, so, so many people have put so much work in to try to fight against them and deconstruct them that yeah, they, a lot of people aren't even using them anymore, which I think is sad. You know, it's, it's interesting too. Like um, when I first started making music and when I was first in the integral community, I feel like I was much more into 
the terminology and being able to like explicitly make the distinctions and stuff like that. And um, I think, I think back then, like um, especially like I would have actually probably appreciated like a lot of the kind of like terminology type jazz poetry and stuff that I see you and Bruce do um, on here, you know, like it's great to see stuff like artifacts that are from your level, you know what I mean? And you're like, dang, like, Oh, that is, that is nice. That is beautiful. That is a skillful organization of like, um, of terms and poetry and symbolism and metaphor. And it like, is this kind of uh, beautiful culmination. Um, now though, as I've been like doing more and more uh, like videos and stuff like that. And like, even as I've made more and more albums, I feel like uh, a, a need and a desire, I guess, to try to like, make it more accessible and to like speak more plainly about it. Like almost like if you can't say it in a way that um, regular people will understand it, then it almost feels like we're just like flexing on them or something like that. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's like five people heard, heard me say what I said just now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I, I struggle with that too, because like I said before, I think it's also awesome to have these amazing artifacts too, that are like uh, these sort of beautiful crystallizations of thought that you, you probably have to be actually kind of smart to really even be able to appreciate it. You know, it's an interesting balance. Like um, I work with that myself a lot. Like I struggle to figure out what's, I mean, on the one hand, you can't, you just have your, aesthetic it's the way that you organize the most number of points out of yourself but at the same time you think about mm, should i be saying this more academically should i be saying this more colloquially what should i be doing here and it's really open like it's yeah. really hard to make that decision because the way people put that discussion normally doesn't quite apply right like nobody really knows what's straightforward it's a very personal thing to decide what's yeah. a expression uh i depends what you're going for like what you're trying to make and who you think your audience is and what kind yeah, of a huge part of it that you're the wide yeah. people that you're talking to but also the way you consume information you know like what i do is i seek out people who i don't understand right i and i i don't want to read a whole bunch of books if i read a book and i get it that book was a waste of my time I want to read something where I'm like, I, I barely grasp what this person is talking about. I'm definitely going to reread this book 50 times. And each time I'll be like, oh, there's a little valid thing that I can recognize. Maybe I'm getting a little better, right? So yeah, I'm that's, gonna, a, that, that's yeah. just a whole different approach. But if you have that approach, yeah. consuming information, then you make that kind of assumption in outputting information, right? So if somebody's like, yeah, it sounded great, but I didn't totally know what you were saying. I'm like, exactly. That's that's how it should be. If you understand, if you <laughs> understood what I was saying right away, then why did I even talk? It just met you where you're already at. <laughs> so like, yeah, that that's something I, would, I do. But there's also all these other approaches. Like I say, it's really open ended. And I mean, like that's how I. That's what I like in music, right? Like in um, 
in hip hop that I like. I like the, you know, the lyricists who are saying something you're like, whoa, hold on, go back, like play that over. Like, what did he say? Like, whoa, he said that. Wow. Like, you know, maybe you have to like look something up and, you know, even bands I like, like Mars Volta, like I've listened to them a ton and like still I listen to some of their words and I'm like, wait, what did he just say? Like there's like extra, there's always like more little. So yeah, I mean, I get that making something that you can go back to over and over. I guess uh, I do, I feel like I do more like, um, I don't want to say, I guess not, not in general, but I guess I feel like I take on more of like a, like a teacher kind of vibe sometimes. And um, yeah, even then, I guess trying to like do the, okay, I'm going to try to communicate this to you. It's like, it can be very difficult. And I feel like even when, you know, like you, if you bring up spiral dynamics or something like that, like there's like, there's a bunch of bumper stickers that you've got to put with it, you know, like transcend and include, but there's a bunch of like disclaimers you got to put with it too. You know, like um, <laughs> we're not judging people. We're not reducing them to a stage. We're not, you know, like all this kinds of stuff. And like, you wonder what people's like, how much of it they actually even get, you know, like there's all these necessary points that you want to get across and you know that their retention rate is going to be partial. So I don't know. I guess I feel like it's already difficult for a lot of people anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> even if you try really hard to make it accessible, it's still hard. If you're trying to communicate uh, structures or patterns of connection between things that are complicated structures, complex structures, then people, even if you could say it perfectly, they'd only pick up bits of it and sometimes. Uh, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to be as clear and succinct as you want to. Um, but there's always going to be a level of uh, complexity that's involved. Yesterday, I was out in the yard. I was trying to do a better translation of the Dao Da Ching, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Mm -hmm. So at a bunch of different English versions and I'm also looking at the Chinese version and the first line dao, dao ke dao, fei chang dao. and you're like that's very interesting right that the same word is repeated three times in like six words so there's a something that's a way a path a method a principle uh, <laughs> and then that thing is referenced again immediately and then it's not as good as the good version of that thing referenced again immediately. So I was going over all these different ways that you might translate that. And I ended up having to say to myself, okay, the way we go about getting things done, the way we go about going about things is not the best way to go about things, right? So that's a very colloquial way of expressing yourself, as I would expect from an ancient Chinese guy who lived in the wilderness. But it's also got a very high level of novelty and complexity in it anyway. So you'd have to be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's interestingly put, but I still don't exactly know what it means, although I kind of feel like maybe I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and I guess it, you know, there are different, there are different ways to, uh, to make different kinds of artifacts. You know, sometimes you want to, make it very clear and try to spell it out and like, I hope you're getting it. And then sometimes it's just like, here's the poetry, you know, as, as it should flow 
And if you get it, that's great. If not, that's fine too. But for the people who do get it, it's, it's special for them. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, that's the musical approach, I guess, right? Every band has to have that attitude. Uh, so let's, yeah. let's touch on aesthetics and videos a little bit more because there's a, there's a kind of aesthetic that goes with internet, which is a little bit loose. It's amateurish. It's ragged. Uh, and then there's a kind of aesthetic that goes with um, music that might be a little bit more structured. You seem to have both of these things because you're working in the internet video medium, but obviously you're laying things out visually a little bit more than the average person is, right? Mostly you're just going to see somebody and behind them is their kitchen counter or their bookshelf or whatever. And you've got a background, you've got a look, you got your hat skewed. So uh, what aesthetic are you going for? What aesthetic do you think the internet asks of us? Where is this going style-wise into the future? Right. Well, I'm hip-hop, so there's like a bold aesthetic there. It's like a little bit uh, in your face, you know, like I'm down to get into some battles, <laughs> you know. Um, so there's, there's that, right? There's like, the, there's like the bold aesthetic. But like I think a lot of like the stuff that I do with graphics and stuff like that is just a – like a desperate attempt to keep people's attention and to, um, to try to make it fun. And I hope that if I, I like really, I really respect my, my viewer. I do not want to waste their time. I try everything I can to, uh, to keep them engaged with uh, both visually and with like heavy editing. Um, I'm actually sitting on a big pile of videos right now and probably for, for always, you know, that I'm like slowly editing and chipping away at. Cause like, to me, they're like, these are, you know, they're for infinity. They're going to last on the internet for a long time. Like I have videos from like five years ago that I'm not like super happy with the aesthetics, you know, cause I was new and everything. So I try, I try to um, make really nice looking things. And yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm desperate to keep people's attention. You know, you make a video, uh, a philosophy video, where you where you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this thing, and I'm gonna say everything I have to say about it. So it's like, there it is, it's done. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll say more later in the future, but that's what I think about it now in a crystallized kind of form. I put a lot of work into that. Like that video might be, you know, an hour and a half, two hours long. I feel like. And, and, and for, for a philosophy talk, honestly, that ain't shit, right? <laughs> um, so I put, a, I put a lot of work in it, and then I feel like somebody clicks on it, and they go, oh, shit, two hours long? Ugh, I don't think I could watch this, <laughs> you know? But it was actually probably originally like four hours, and I heavily edited it and like put a whole bunch of work into trying to make it aesthetically pleasing and engaging and all this kind of stuff and i i hope that people who do invest the time will get paid off by it and they'll be like oh dang i like this guy's videos he's fun to watch like he's not just a boring talking head he's keeping my attention and you know the other thing is like it's one thing to know i want to talk about this you know but then being that it's a video format, that it's a visual format, 
you're like, how can I not just talk about it, but how can I show it? Right? Like, um, for example, the, the video I did for the integral stage about the integration of religion where I had the buffet and, um, you know, like I tried to, I tried to show it like, so that's, it's that whole like show don't tell, you know? And then if you can actually make a symbol like that, the buffet and, um, you know, it be, it's a powerful image. Like it's like memes, you know, these memes, they're, they're simplified like archetypal representations, but if you, they're, they're actually really powerful. So if you can create something like that and then put your ideas in it and then talk about it around it, people are, it'll be easier for them to be able to grab it and hold it and keep it. Yeah. One of the things, you know, I, I often I ask people I'm interviewing here, like, where would they go? What would be the next level? You know, if your resources were suddenly increased tenfold and you could do bigger projects, what would you do? And one of the things I would like, you know, is when people have the, but I don't really want to put the work in, you know, the, one of the memes I make would appear in the corner and then I could discuss it. It would be a nice thing to do. But I know what you're saying about trying to keep people's interest. And it's also just artistry, right? You have to, it, because it's so much work, you have to get to these points where you're satisfied, which means you have to craft some aspect of it in a way that you can appreciate and go, yeah, maybe five years from now, I'm going to think this sucks. But right now, I think I pretty much nailed what I wanted to say. <laughs> uh, I am personally... Uh, I have to keep my own energy up to be involved in things like that, that psychedelics talk I gave, right? And Bruce is gonna be like, you want me to leave you changing your shirt in at the beginning? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I, I did that on purpose so that I would be in a frame of mind where I'm going to have a good time doing this. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's no certainty that anybody's going to benefit from what you're doing. So you also have to be happy with the process to some degree. But there is this element of people who do that add an intriguing or attractive element, potentially, for some types of viewers. I expect that uh, nobody's going to know what my facial hair is going to look like or what kind of shirt I'm going to be wearing or whether I might, like I did in the Satanism discussions, slowly start taking my clothes off over the course of the interviews or something like that. I, I, it's important to me to have those because otherwise... God, ideas are just so heavy and dull, even if you find them fascinating. Who would want to listen to a bunch of ideas for a long time? And even if you did, that's a suspicious thing about you. Like, if you could just sit there and download ideas and not worry about whether it's interesting to you or not, then you're probably not taking those ideas very deep. It's got to get yeah. into organism, which means it's got to touch a full spectrum or at least a variety of human energies. Yeah, you know, I actually... I am one of these people who's like, hmm, what's Layman going to look like this time? <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, and I'm glad actually to know that that's why you're doing it and that it's like this playful thing. And yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> I remember one time I was talking to Bruce and he's like, he's like, yeah, Michael Dowd's going to be on this one. I'm like, yeah, what's Layman wearing it? He's like, I think he's wearing like a, like a gardening hat and like a dress or something. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. And then like the first, the first time I, uh, 
that we did our pre-trans talk you got on and, I, and you looked like you were going to mug me. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's great. Um, I actually, I really appreciate that. Like, yeah, I try to, I try to make it fun too. You know, like I think it should be fun and silly. It's like, these aren't just like super serious ideas. We need to be able to joke around. We need to be able to have fun. And I try when I'm editing, like, I mean, this is also, you know, why it takes me forever, but I try to make the process fun too. Like when you rush through editing, like, Oh, I need to get this done. Like you don't make those creative, cool editing choices. You don't make fun stuff in there. And I think that actually makes the video better. It makes it more watchable. So I've always like, every time I edit a video, I always like look for things. I'm like, is there, did I just say something that I could show? Did I just like, um, is there, is there any way I could create a graphic about that that would like help emphasize that point? Or like, is there a way that I could make something? So I like, I'm like brainstorming through the whole editing process of like extra production bits I can add in to try to make it good. Um, have you seen that I've done a couple um, meme reviews? No, I haven't seen those. Oh, really? I actually have even included a few of your memes and I shout, I gave you a shout out and yeah, I, um, it's, I, at first, you know, I was like, what, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what I could do of like different fun things, like fun videos to make, not just, you know, the, the philosophy videos, but how can I make philosophy fun? So I was like, I'm going to do a meme thing in my group where I'm going to ask my group to make integral memes and uh, just as many as we can in a month. And then I would make a bunch too. And they made, we made a bunch of memes. We made like 50 or 60 memes per month. We've, I've done, I've done two of them. And what happens is they start to like uh, inspire other ones on a theme too. Like, like there's a whole bunch of spiral wizard memes that happened and some Wii space memes that happened and some stuff like this. And, um, what I actually found was, you know, at first I was like, I don't know if maybe it'll just be a fun thing, but actually those memes are powerful. Like I th actually think it's a, it's a great thing for the community and it's a great thing for, for people to see who are wandering in the community. Like, Oh, we're these, these people aren't just a bunch of talking heads or a bunch of, you know, old, old white people, uh, talking about things there's actually some like fun and colorful artifacts on this level there's some like silly things and fun things and it's yeah and you know integral stage has been adding to the a lot to the value of what people people can find on the internet under the integral umbrella so i'm super happy with with that as well yeah we're certainly putting out a lot of stuff i think the more varieties of media get filled up with ideas of this kind, the more likely people are to find it in multiple formats. And then that's what you kind of what you need in order to actually see what people are talking about is to have heard it in a couple different ways. I love the meme thing because partly because it's like the archaic revival. Like this is, yeah, the internet's focusing on communication of this kind, but it's also like ancient hieroglyphs. Right, it tell, and it's very balanced, right? You've got some words and you've got a picture and the picture is of something, but it's also symbolic. And I think the best ones uh, 
contain multiple perspectives on the same situation. Like one of the things that makes a meme good is there's a kind of contradiction implied, right? Whether we think of it as irony or we think of it as a joke or an attack, there's something and then there's some response to that something built into it. So you have to wrestle with the space between perspectives in a good meme, ideally. Yeah, yeah, that's and they can be fun and irreverent and um like i think at, at the end of my last meme review um i was talking about the integral paywall we had like uh, integral life paywall memes like uh there was like a, a version of um wilbur as trump you know talking about like build the wall and like cory is there as like the, sh the sheriff and he's like you know, like if you don't pay, you can't get in or something, something like this. And, and like, yeah, like a, yeah, a couple, a couple of things like that. And then I talked about how they're, how like, um, Alyosha and I on our podcast, we, we did a, a, a review of Ken Wilber and Corey's talk on free will. And we mentioned that we would normally like to be able to link to the talk so that way people could be able to hear it and then know what we were responding to, but it's behind this paywall. And I added in like a little sound effect, like a prison door slamming or something <laughs> like this. Um, and uh, when I shared it, like in some integral groups or something like that, you like I got some, um, a couple comments about it. Like, why shouldn't they be able to make money or something like this? And I was like, it's like $15 a month. Netflix is only like like $8 a month or something like this. It's kind of a lot. Like it's, you know, I wish it was more like name your own price, right? And so this one guy, he said, paywall no more. He's like, if anybody can't afford it, he's like, I got them. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yes. And so I like posted in different integral groups. And I'm like, this guy says he's got you. Uh, if you can't afford integral life, hit him up. And um, people messaged him and then he messaged Corey and was like, is there something we could do about this? And Corey then put out this big statement like, um, I offer free memberships to people. You just need to like message me personally and like plead your case and all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> I made like this meme about him as like a board, a border control guy or whatever at the end of it. And uh, I'm like, you know, like go there, plead your case. And like, I was there pleading with him. I'm like, Corey, I can't afford it. $15 a month. Like it's too much for me. Like I would love to be able to do it, but I'm having a hard time paying my bills as it is. If you're watching, please let me in. Um, have yet to get a response back, but I like, I again, you know, with the irreverence, I like to be able to use these memes to kind of be a little bit of a shit talker and a shit starter. And it's nice actually to be in a community where you can shake things up a bit and you get a response, <laughs> you know? The other thing I like about that is that it allows you to perform that kind of Robert Keegan operation in terms of, making something that you were in become an object that you can look at and like moving yourself one little step. Cause I think whether it's a meme or whether it's a, 
you know, play or a demonstration or something, you're taking something that's going on. You're taking a dimension of a situation and you're going, oh, let's, let's encapsulate it. If, we, if I make some kind of artifact out of this, then we put it here where we can have a look at it and then we go one step that way. And I think that's really important because writing can only get you so far in that process. It's not primarily a, a linguistic operation of self-reflection. It's a multi-sensory, multi-dimensional operation of self-reflection. That's really hard to remember. But when people can do little encapsulations, I think that sort of shows us how to work with things that we're embedded in. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. And that's honestly like kind of the power of, of film and video is that instead of just telling you something, I can show you, I can show you what it feels like to try to go to Corey and be like, I'm poor, Corey. Like I'm, I'm really poor. Like I really can't afford it. Like I, could I plead, you know, it's like embarrassing. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And what you have, I'm going to have to go to him personally and do that. Like, why can't he just make it name your own price? If, if there are people who want to pay $15 a month to support, let them pay 50. They will. And there are people who will pay more. Like for example, my albums are name your own price. Like most people download for free. But there have been people who have given me a hundred bucks and I wouldn't have got that if I would have said $20 or $10 or whatever, you know, sometimes you can hold more with your hands open than with your hands closed. Oh, very apt. Well said. Um, what kind of online content do you consume? Who do you like? What podcasts do you follow? What YouTube channels are you into? Who do you think is doing a good job? Whether it's in terms of, the ideas or in terms of how they communicate them or just in terms of their style? Well, um, I do watch PewDiePie. Obviously that's where I got the idea for the meme review. Like I think that um, he has a way of speaking to a lot of people. He's like, obviously like the most popular person in the world. Right. So, and that's for a reason. He's like a meme master. He uh, he's getting his office remodeled. And so he, um, he moves to the hallway and sits on the floor and starts talking about like floor gang in all of his videos and like, um, like playing with the tambourine stuff like this. And um, like he takes whatever he, he's doing and he like memifies it and like turns it into a thing and like recalls it. And like, he's really, he's really good at like, at doing that and creating a culture and, and also like he's pretty good at like finding ways to make philosophical ideas accessible to people. Like he made this video about, um, I forget the name of the philosophy, some kind of a stoic philosopher about, you know, who was into minimalism. Um, basically he, he, his thumbnail, was like a picture, his like security camera of like his house getting robbed. And um, he said like what I learned from like getting robbed, right? So it's like, he's good at like the sensationalism, right? And the clickbait and then you watch it. And then what you learn, what you find out is that he learned more from like studying Stoic philosophy and he lost more of his things in minimalizing his life than he did when he got robbed. So he, he figured out a way to um, sneak, sneak some Stoics philosophy to these kids. And I, I appreciate that. 
So I would go to PewDiePie for the memes. I really like um, ContraPoints for her like uh, Socratic dialogues that she does, um, like modern Socratic dialogues. I think that is like super cool. And her aesthetic is amazing. The way that she puts together her, her the look of her videos to match what she's talking about and the different characters she plays and stuff. That stuff is um, is wow. So I guess, you know, I like I like some of the more stylized kind of content. Um, I, there's a really good podcast I like called um, the Partially Examined Life podcast. It's kind of what I've based, like it was a big inspiration for the way that Alyosha and I do our integral review podcast. I, I, I see you're adjusting your, your hat to match me, mirroring my, my hat style. Uh, slim with the tilted brim. <laughs> um, but the partially examined life is really good. It's like um, a bunch of these uh, philosophers who will read a book together and then get together and discuss it. And they have certain rules like no name dropping or um, things like that. Like if you say something that people might not know, you got to say what that means or, you know, all this kinds of stuff. And uh, they will read the book together and then go over their notes together and discuss the ideas and their different interpretations and stuff like this. And I, yeah, I think it's a really good, a really good philosophy podcast. Um, Radio Lab, are you familiar with that? Somewhat. <laughs> Radio Lab is a really good podcast. I think it's like one of the original ones to incorporate a lot of like sound effects and and like music and stuff into their podcast to like it almost feels like you're watching a documentary and all of their episodes are really good. The thing you were saying about PewDiePie was interesting to me in terms of that previous topic we were discussing about um, sort of crystallizing or encapsulating part of a complex situation so that you can get a perspective on it rather than be embedded in it. Because I think that's sort of what you're describing here is he's taking things that are going on and rather than have them be just the background of his own experience, he's moving them into the foreground in a structured way. It reminds me of, I really like fake hashtags just because um, it's a way of doing a super compressed spirit of a moment or situation or a mood. And once you have the super compressed version, you can also explain and extrapolate the complexity that's in the super compressed version and the bouncing back and forth, the paralleling between the compressed artifact and the expanded discussion gives you two ways of thinking about it all the time. You go, Oh, right. That's what that, Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Like the ancient tendency of philosophers to use aphorisms. Right, that kind of Nietzschean approach where you want to make this hyper compressed thing where you could write whole books about it. But if you wrote whole books about it and also went back and forth between those books and that hyper compressed aphorism, you'd get this expanded stereoscopic understanding of what that thing is. I yeah. really like the interplay between the foregrounded encapsulation and the embedded complexity. Yeah. I, I, does that go back to Heraclitus? Mm, for sure. I mean, just just the idea that we all love his fragments so much, we've preserved right. and just call them fragments, and they're like lines from the Tao, 
right? They've just got that built-in reciprocality and complexity. Right. Where you can't gotta, step into the same river twice, exactly. the road up and the road back of the same road. That shit for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably get a little something extra every time you do it. Yeah. Sometimes you can, um, sometimes a good bumper sticker does a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're, if you're um, a studious and thoughtful uh, philosopher who's actually going to, like you're saying, do the work to really sit and contemplate some of this stuff and not just take it at face value. I, I you know, like I was thinking about this, this recently, like that I, I think I have a different tendency than a lot of, than some, than some other people. And I think it goes back to the leadership thing that we're talking about. And, and it also applies to the communication thing, you know, like I'm really concerned with uh, getting it right and not confusing people and like um, never misleading anyone or like overstepping my bounds in terms of intellectual honesty or any of this kind of stuff. And yeah, I'll get upset with other people when I, if I feel like that they're, they're doing that. And, and then I like think back to um, like, like kind of what you're talking about, like almost like where there's this, like, you know, if you're really going to get into philosophy, like to some extent, you're going to have to be the kind of person who is going to put in the extra work to grapple with some of this shit, you know? And then, you know, in terms of the ideas of leadership in these groups, um, a lot of the people who are hands off, they're like, these, these are integralists. These are supposed to be big boys and girls. They don't need to run to mommy and get help every time something bad goes wrong. Uh, we need to have some kind of um, self-responsibility and whatnot, you know? <laughs> well, I guess I'm like generally very concerned that people will misunderstand and that people will uh, get it wrong and that people, like a lot of times, people need um help and hand-holding and guidance and leadership and all this kind of structure and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so I put a lot of work into um, making things for people in a way that I hope is really accessible and really clear, you know, and hopefully not confusing and not incorrect or, you know, like all these kinds of things. But, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's fine to make loose uh, artifacts that um, require a little bit more depth and that are a little bit more challenging and that are more artistic and, you know, then maybe that's fine. <laughs> it probably depends on how you handle it. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of one of the things I hear in everything you're saying is a, is a call for intellectual conscience, I might call it. Right. And so, you know, I might not set my standards on things the same way you set your standards, but I think there's a kind of shared experience of, you even call it like embarrassment. Like if I understand something superficially, I'm embarrassed. You know, <laughs> if I just assume, you know, what I think people assume about Hegel or something like that, like it bugs me. I'm emotionally distressed that I don't have a deeper take in a lot of areas. And I think that's what I would call an intellectual conscience or a person is using some ideas and maybe it's adequate for the conversations they're having, but why doesn't it bug them a little? <laughs> why don't they wonder what a deeper take would be? 
right? And that's something that can be worked with in a loose fashion or a very rigorous fashion or both. Yeah. And I think, you know, as integralists, that's kind of, um, hopefully where a lot of us are at, you know, with a, some kind of an understanding of our own strengths and weaknesses and like hopefully some kind of a humility about our, our limits. It's interesting though, because, you know, while that's the case, it's also the case that uh, integralists are used to being the smartest person in a room. <laughs> and um, so while hopefully there's some intellectual honesty and humility I think we also probably all do have some um, of our own ego to get over in terms of learning how to work with other integralists, especially um, how to give more of the benefit of the doubt. And hopefully some of that stuff makes us uh, better at, at communicating about some of this stuff. I mean, especially when a lot of us are, you know, teammates and community members and we, and, you know, we have our own ways of, you know, passionately seeing how we want to do these things. And yet we do them differently. <laughs> and that might be, you know, some, some, uh, some areas of tension. And I think we should be able to bring that tension to each other and grapple with it. I mean, that's like one of the things I love about Bruce. Uh, and I, and I really respect about him is that, um, He's been very, he's a good friend. He's been very kind to me over the years in terms of um, making space for my, my criticisms and my concerns and like hearing me out and like, um, yeah, like in his, in his groups and, you know, with some of the stuff that, that, uh, you know, like, you know, some of the guests and stuff, I'm like, oh, what, why, you know, like, why are we doing things like this? Like, why this, you know, and we have good talks about it. And I have a lot of respect for him. Um, he's definitely, um, I think a real, you know, you and him both are like, really important to the, uh, to the integral community and the integral movement. And, you know, I really appreciate you guys and all the, all the work that you bring and all the stuff that you guys have done over the years. Um, so that's yeah, nice. Thank, thank you again. There's a, it's hard to exaggerate the importance of conversation to what's going on here, because like we've said several times, people don't necessarily know what each other mean by the same word right? Or they don't necessarily know why that person has chosen to deploy this insight set in that particular direction or, or in this way with that particular person. And that's all stuff you can only work out through exchange, right? There is no preset dictionary of all these concepts. Although we could get better at doing things like that, we've got to work it out together. And that's also where we, right, in a good conversation in an integral space, like you were saying, two people have a lot in common and they have some difference. And probably in the course of that conversation, it turns out that they're not arguing about two versions of one thing. They're putting forward two separate valid things. And as soon as they both grasp that part, then there's this higher sharing and they can then decide which one might be more applicable in which circumstance. But everybody can deepen their clarity. And for me, yeah. that's that's usually where I would set the standard. Standard is things have to get deeper. Everybody has to get deeper and everybody has to want to get deeper because yes, 
It's nice to be the smartest kid in the room. And you should have some satisfaction that you have integrated a lot of perspectives. Okay, but what is that compared to the perspectives you haven't yet integrated to everything you don't know? If depth is important, it's not important because of how much depth you've achieved. It's important because of how much depth you still have to achieve. Yeah. But we must be getting close to the end of this thing. My final question I usually ask people is... <laughs> the next person, right? It's like, I'm going to talk to somebody else and they're going to be an integral podcaster. What would you ask them? What would I ask? Curious about. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I usually try to, I usually try to figure out where that person is um, really digging in. Like the, what are the, what are the, the distinctions and in integral that are really important to them? And I mean, maybe another good question would be something like, um, what's your idea of an integral, like a integral vision for the future or something like this? Uh, maybe that's not podcast related, but I don't know. Um, I would, yeah, I would like to know what more integralists think about the future, especially like maybe the, the future of, of integral in our community and how they see us maybe potentially building things together in the future. Like what, maybe like what kind of uh, types of artifacts do they, they see us creating in the future? You know, like what other ideas can we have about shows too? You know, like I've been talking about this idea of uh, integral news. So I think it'd be good to have something like that. What would that be like? Like I, I've, I've seen a couple of your posts on that, but like if anybody's watching this, Mm -hmm. tell them that integral news is or could be well i think it could be a combination of both um talking about world news and what's going on with that from an integral perspective as well as talking about the news that's happening in our community i think that you know in the same way that it would be very serious in regards to these topics it would also be probably very fun and playful similar to like um, some of these other kinds of uh, network kinds of comedy centrals type news shows, like maybe something like a, you know, um, Colbert show or like a daily show or something like that, maybe with different correspondence and stuff like that. Um, especially because I think, you know, my idea of it is to have a writing team and different correspondence and like maybe some, you know, like it's a, it's a, like would be a group production, not just something that one person like you or I would make or whatever, but something that was, that was created by a group of integralists who all kind of have their fingers on different pulses. And I think a really good first episode actually would be something like um, the history and state of integral I think Bruce recently when I when I had him on an interview and I asked him um, about the the current state of integral he had some uh, really interesting ways of describing it he said that we're like in this transitionary period and all these new voices are coming to the table and we're having to grapple with some you know some old issues and we're trying to figure out who we are and what we want to be together and all this kind of stuff and 
I think that's exciting. I think actually right now we're in a very exciting time and there really is kind of a changing of the guard and some of, and the, and the possibility, you know, for, um, yeah, for some, for something new to emerge as, um, Ken Wilbur and, uh, and integral life stuff become more like, um, founding, founding members and like the, the beginning of, of the inertia, some new things will emerge and, um, it'll become, it'll become a lot more diverse. And I think we'll, we'll have a lot more, I think that stuff will kind of fade into the back as, as the orthodoxy and maybe even, you know, um, you know, like I think this integral 2.0 thing that I'm gonna that I'm trying to start is the the emergentist revolutionary wing of integral. You know, it's gonna have it's gonna have its stuff around it and its people, and there's gonna be other leaders in that group who are gonna also make media. It's like starting to happen. So, I, I guess I see like some some division, but also some. Uh, conversations and some higher structures and all of that emerging out of it. So that's exciting. That's a fun project. I, you know, what I thought of immediately was something like, you know, that Monty Python sketch where the guy's throwing his father out with the plague bodies and the guy's not dead yet. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still alive and they're beating him. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm imagining somebody <laughs> reporting live from Ken Wilber's funeral. Uh, right, he's in the coffin, and everybody's talking metamodernism, game B, integral 2.0. <laughs> he's clearly still alive in the coffin, right, trying to get out, and everybody's acting like he's already dead. <laughs> well, be- I didn't, I, I didn't want to specifically be like, well, Ken Wilber's dying, so we're moving on without him, you know. Like, um, well, he I was is, trying he's an to, old guy. <laughs> I was trying to say it more respectfully than that, yeah. but yeah, I think that your I think that your meme about it your, <laughs> is is actually David Pascal uh, reporting live from Ken Wilber's funeral. <laughs> I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell that to all these other people who are trying to move on. Um, yeah, and and oh, hopefully we can get some, some other stuff together and like taken seriously too, because lots of people have been jumping ship and like over the years, like we've, I feel like we've lost a lot of people um, and, and maybe we can to some extent get them back. But yeah, um, there's a lot of people who I think originally got really excited and maybe even um, like they, in their words, the way that they talk about it, I've heard people is talk about like outgrowing Wilbur and, and stuff like this. And um, of course, appreciating his maps and everything that he's, that he's brought to the table, but like sort of transcending and including integral is another way I've heard people talk about it. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to see like, yeah. Talk about it because I mean, there's a lot of hubris involved in thinking you've gone beyond something because you don't know how much of that thing you've actually understood and embodied. But yeah. at the same time, it's very natural to pick up the ideas and then find them in other places, find versions of them or parts of them. What would be really good is if people could be moving into the integral diaspora, but with enough embodied understanding of the Wilbur-type maps that they could look at those other ones and say, uh, this is what would need to be added to that other one. 
right? And then, of course, there's got to be some critical reflection on the part of the integral map holders. But we do yeah. want to occupy the space of everybody who's having insights of this kind. That's integral, ultimately. But there has to be a way to verify or to check on or provide feedback with each of those versions so that some generalized meta-integral space actually forms with some kind of integrity. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, maybe that's like one of the major missing ingredients that, you know, I'm sort of working to try to bring online and some other people are as well is this um, more the more of the Western Enlightenment project. Like we got that Eastern Enlightenment project down. We're good on it. Like, so we need to start to build more of these structures uh, to be able to build together. And well, it's, it's slowly but surely, I think, going to come together. And it's exciting to see. Um, I mean, it's been pretty recently, right? Like, uh, my, my channel's been going for like five years. You guys started your channel here pretty recently. And like, we're seeing, yeah, all of these other little, little startups and stuff happening. Like, it's becoming a lot more democratic. And that's, and that is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it speaks to the potential of the ideas to spread, but spreading means more different kinds of people taking it in more different kinds of directions without losing some kind of uh, legitimate component that they all have in common. So that's where I hope we're going. Me too. <laughs> all right. It's been terrific talking with you, David. Thank you. Likewise, brother. I hope that you also um, get to talk with Alyosha at some point my podcast partner yeah i um have your partner contact me i'd love that <laughs> i will i will indeed he's writing a book currently about um about free will so okay great uh, that's yeah. a that's one of those pertinent perennial conversations that we just haven't gotten into in this project yet so i got a lot of thoughts on that <laughs> <laughs> you got some thoughts on it huh <laughs> <laughs>